Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Pull Up a Stump, Surviving and Thriving Life Nowadays. I'm your host, Cassie, and today is a super special episode um, because we are celebrating a huge, for me, milestone, and uh, we're going to really like deep dive into it. We're just going to like get right into it. Um, so if you read the description, you kind of know what today's all about. Um, but yesterday was officially my one year sober. Um, that's like fucking huge for me. I, since I started drinking when I was 12, that is the longest I have gone without like continuously a hundred percent longest I have gone, um, sober since I started drinking when I was 12. And like, when I say it like that, that's insane. This year I turned 29 and I'm just like, what? Like you started drinking when you were 12 and like now at 29, that was the longest you've gone like a year. That's just nuts. Um, super, super proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. I did battle a little bit with like the, um, what is it like validity of my sobriety just because of my pregnancy. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, talk to my therapist about it. And uh, she's like, no, it's, you know, whatever, we're going to dive into it. But, um, so yeah, let's just, let's just go right into it. So if you're new here, um, or if you're returning, um, and you just need a little reminder, we're just going to, I'm just going to talk a little bit about like my career in alcohol. Um, and then kind of what led me to here and just, you know, First things first, I just want to make it super crystal, crystal clear that um, everybody's sobriety journey, whatever you're getting like sober, clean from, whatever it is, um, like I just want to make it super crystal clear that everybody's journey in sobriety or getting clean is different. Mine is not going to look the same as yours. Yours is not going to look the same as Sarah's. Sarah's is not going to look the same as Jim's. Um, everybody's different. Everybody, it happens at different times. Sometimes relapse is part of your story. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Um, so don't listen to this and think that if yours is different, that it's any worse or better. Um, everybody's different and everybody's journey on this is just as valid as somebody else's who, you know, may or may not involve relapses or may or may not involve a pregnancy in the middle of it or may or may not involve, you know, something like hitting rock bottom to get you to sobriety or, you know, everybody's journey is different and everybody's journey is valid in it. I just want to make that super crystal clear before we dive into this. Um, but so my journey we're, it's, well, I'm just going to do a real quick recap on this. Um, like I had mentioned, I started drinking when I was like 12. Um, that's the first time that I ever remember like getting actually drunk, of course, before then, like I'd tried alcohol, like a sip here and there before I was 12, you know, who hasn't? Um, but well, maybe a lot of people haven't, but, uh, but you know, I remember my first time actually getting drunk at 12 years old and then yeah, every, it, like there was points where I had drank like and gotten drunk or at least buzzed shorter amount of time than a year in between from that age. Um, you know, I wasn't like a heavy drinker at the age of 12, but I had gone shorter time than a year in between getting a buzz on. And, uh, you know, then I would say by the age of 16, 16 is when I dropped out of high school and met my boyfriend who I was with for like off and on nine years. Um, 
uh, I met him at 16. He was 18. I got my fake ID, started, you know, living life, moved out of the house, dropped out of high school, all the whole nine yards and was living life as if I was already 25 and, you know, doing cocaine and drinking and clubbing and all these sort of things that a 16 year old should not be doing. Um, that almost by the time I was 18 and we bought a house, um, I was like already, you know, the partying was out of my system, but the drinking was not. Um, and you know, we drank every day. Um, you know, he'd get home from work, have some beer, I'd have some wine. We made our own wine. So we always had like copious amounts of bottles of wine in the basement. Um, you know, weekends doing yard work, we would out, be out there drinking this and that. And so I would say from the ages of 16 to like 25, when I had my daughter, I was drunk or at least drinking like every day, you know, there was like little breaks in between there. Like when I prepped for my bikini competition, um, but even then, like, you know, I had the odd drink here and there and prep because I hadn't gone into like cutting yet. And so I was just like prepping. And so, you know, on my anniversary and stuff like that, like I still drank. So um, to have like a continuous 100% length, like stint of sobriety up until this year that I finally, um, up until this year when I finally got my year, my longest stint of 100% sobriety was six months, six months, six and a bit months, um, which was after I had my daughter. So yeah, we're going to dive into that one. Um, you know, I had my daughter when I was 25 and so obviously I was, I was pregnant. I was uh, sober for her pregnancy. So I guess nine months would have been that. Um, but anyway, so I was sober for her pregnancy and then she was born like a month before Christmas. And so then on Christmas that year I drank. So that was like what, nine months of sobriety, um, pretty much. And then I drank on Christmas, you know, we went out to her dad's like grandparents' house and I had some wine and that. And then kind of after that, I drank kind of here and like a little bit. And then I decided I was going to go sober and I was sober for, yeah, like six months. I think I was like three days after my six months that I, I, I don't like calling it relapse, slipped up, whatever, sort of drinking again, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I kind of drank here and there and it just, yeah, it never really stuck. And then when my daughter was a year and a half, that's when everything went down with her. Um, and then yeah, December 23rd of last year, December 23rd of 2021, I just called it quits. I just quit cold turkey. Like I just never drank again. Um, and then after, you know, a couple, what was it like a couple months or like a month or something like that after I'd called it quits, I was like, mm, I'm going to work a program. And I hadn't, I'd worked AA in the past and AA just wasn't it for me. Um, and then I tried NA too, cause NA recognizes alcohol as a drug and I tried NA wasn't it. It was just for me too God based. Um, didn't love it. And so then when I went sober in December of last year, I was like, well, what else out, what else is out there? And actually my friend, um, Jen had mentioned to me a program called like the smart program. And basically they, they work, like they actually like work on like rerouting your fucking brain. Like it works 
it's like a science based, I don't know how to like fully explain it to you without just reading you the brochure. Um, but it's like, it reroutes your freaking brain and like gets you to like dive into the why and, um, really makes you like work through sobriety. Um, whereas I didn't, anyway, I didn't feel that anyway, everybody, like I said, everybody's entitled to their own like way of getting sober and everything. Like, I don't give a fuck if you did a cold turkey, if it took you going to jail, if it took you going to rehab, if you worked some sort of program, like I don't give a fuck how you got sober. Like you got sober and that is amazing in itself, you know? Um, seriously, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, and so I did the smart program and it was great. And then I paired that with a shit ton of therapy. Um, we've talked on it a little bit in here, but I literally did weekly therapy for the last year and that together really made it work for me. And now, yeah, yesterday was my one year and it was an amazing accomplishment for me. But I, I know like even approaching the year, um, like I obviously knew I was coming up on my year and I got thinking about it and, you know, I was really proud of myself for getting my year. And then there was like this part of my brain that was like, but how valid is it? Like you were pregnant for it. Like, of course you're going to be sober while you're pregnant. But then, you know, I was talking to my therapist about it and that, and she's like, pregnancy doesn't stop everyone from drinking. Like there's lots of people, especially people with that have like an issue with alcohol that drink while they're pregnant. And, you know, I got thinking, I'm like, fuck, like at my worst, when I was at my worst, pregnancy probably wouldn't have stopped me from drinking. So I was like, fuck yeah, you stayed, you stayed sober while you were pregnant. That's great. Plus like the amount of shit I went through during this pregnancy, like involving my shit with Quinn, like with my daughter, like God, that any, that'll drive the most freaking sane person to drink. I'll tell you that much. The amount of shit that I've gone through with that. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot of issues with my pregnancy. Um, there was just, you know, the, the amount of healing that I was doing and like the shit that I was digging into and like my past and just these parts of me that I've buried for so long, um, that would have drove a person to fucking drink. And then, you know, my relationship, what relationship at points doesn't drive you to want to drink, you know, just everything. So the validity of oh, you were, you were pregnant. So your sobriety isn't valid. Like I talked to my therapist and I was like, yeah, no, it's still valid. So I'm still very, very proud of myself for it. Um, you know, and, and it's not just like the part that I'm also most proud of isn't just the like fact that I didn't pick up a bottle and drink. It's all the like inner work that I had to do to, to get and stay sober. Like that's the fucking hard part. Like, at the, you know, the, the act of not picking up the alcohol for, you know, is really quite hard for like the first like 30 days, I think. 30 to 60, I think, dependent on how quote unquote bad you are in it. Um, but that first 30 days, that's the hardest part of, to, to abstain from the act of not drinking for me anyway. And then after that, it's all the work that you have to do, like all the amends that you make and like the boundaries that you do and like the healing that you do and the digging into like these parts of you as to like why you drink, like that's the fucking hard part. So pregnant or not, I did that. 
And that is also what makes my sobriety valid. And so, you know, I, that thought of being like, oh, like I was so proud of myself about it, but then kind of brushed half of it off because of the pregnancy. And then, you know, like I said, talking to my therapist and her being like, you know, alcohol or pregnancy does not stop a lot of people from drinking. You know, it doesn't stop a lot of people from using drugs, all that kind of stuff. And so you did that and that's valid. You know, also you've done the work and that's valid, pregnant or not. You know, you were triggered so many times during your sobriety to drink and you didn't. Like those are the things that also make your sobriety valid, not just the the clock that you're racking up for days that you haven't drank, you know? So that was really awesome. Um, and like, so that kind of like segues into, I guess, what I want to talk about next in that, like that work that you need to do. And, you know, I know I've kind of talked about it a little bit on other pod or on other podcasts, but, um, you know, like referencing that, that last like six months that I was sober during Quinn's life. Um, I can't remember if it was six or eight, one of the two. Um, but you know, I kind of just, I was just sober by like abstinence. I wasn't sober by actually the work and that's probably half why it failed. Um, or why I failed in it, but like that, I didn't quite realize when I knew that I needed to get sober, like the amount of work, like everybody talks about it, they reference it, you know, the 12 step system, all that kind of stuff. But like, until you actually start to do the work, do you realize how much work it really is? Like, I mean, I can make a whole other episode just on the work that it takes to legitimately get and be clean or sober. Like, fuck the, the conversations I've had to have, like with myself and parts of me that I've had buried so deep for so long and had to dredge those back up and hash them out with myself and my therapist, you know, like fucking my sexual abuse that I, you know, there's parts of it that I didn't even remember until like my therapist and I unlocked it and we got talking about it and like there was these parts of me that I I legitimately like blacked out um of my like memory because they were so traumatic and then I'm realizing oh maybe that's why you became fucking dependent on alcohol because like there was so much of me that I was that was so dark and I think one of the beautiful things about sobriety is that you uncover such dark, dark, dark parts of yourself and dark parts of your past and your, and your story. And you use those like that, the healing from those to become like the most beautiful version of yourself. Like the version of me that I am now is 1000% a different person than I was like a year ago. And I am so beautiful, like more than just the way that I look, you know, like I'm, I'm a fucking beautiful person now. And I, that also on the flip side made me realize like how ugly I was before, you know, like the type of friend that I was or like the friend that I was being to people, you know, I'm. I, w- I was going to say the type of mom I was, but I was a freaking fantastic mom. I was just really broken. 
Um, and then at that very end is when I broke completely. And then that's when I even admitted to myself and to, you know, my daughter's father and everybody that I was like, I, I'm not being a good mom right now. Like I have to go get help. And you know, that's why I did what I did. But, um, I literally didn't physically leave for any other reason than to be like, I can't like, I'm not being a good mom. Um, and I need to go like, I mean, I never, thankfully I never put her in danger, but I knew that things were going so bad so quick with me, like with my mental health, that I, I wasn't confident that the next time something bad happened, like Quinn wouldn't be around and she would possibly be affected by that. So that's when I like, was like, no, gotta go, like, gotta go get help. Like, I can't, I can't do this with her right here. Um, cause I, I don't know what's, I don't know what the next time is going to look like when it goes bad, you know, and I didn't want to put her in the way. But it's just that, that person that I was before sobriety was so hurt, like by so much. And I was so unhealed and I was so broken for so many years. Like it's not, you know, I know I reference all the time, like emotional abuse in my relationship and narcissistic abuse and, and stuff. But there's a whole other side to it where it goes back from when I was like eight, nine years old, 12 years old, all these different things. Like it's not just something that happened a year before that drove me to go, you know, to become a crazy drinker or like go off the, the like the freaking wagon. Like this is 15, 20 years of trauma that I had buried for ever. Um, you know, there's parts of me, like I said, that I didn't even remember, let alone got it off my chest and hashed it out and dealt with it. Like, you know, so the fact that like, that's the part that of sobriety that is so hard, but it's the part that's so rewarding at the end. Like, yes, it's rewarding to know that like I've begged now 366 days that I haven't, you know, gone to a liquor store or drank any alcohol. But that's cool. Like, that's all fine and dandy. But, like, the work that I've done and the woman that I've become now, like, you know, just without getting too much into it, like, and I know we, I think I might have actually touched on it last episode, but it's, like, especially now with what I'm facing with my daughter um, and, like, this custody battle that I'm in, and it's disgusting, it's ugly, um, you know, I'm like, I'm going to, I walk into that and I'm like, let's go. Like, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to be ashamed of. Like, yes. Do I hold a lot of guilt about the, the, the act in itself way back when? Yep. But I know now that the, the work that I've done since then and the mom that I've become since then and like the work that needed to be done, like regardless of how it, it happened, it needed to be done. And it's, it's unfortunate, like the things that have happened in that since then, but the woman that I've become now, like when, you know, the fucking judge slams the gavel down and what's said is said, like, I know that when my daughter's with me, I'm going to be the best fucking mom she's ever had in her life. And I know my son has the best mom that he will ever have in his whole life. And that's wonderful. And so, you know, I think that especially when you're new in sobriety or when you are maybe bumpy in sobriety or something, 
we can get so easily discouraged when things are taking longer or, you know, you're still having like bad things happen to you in sobriety because I think, and this was one of the things that I hated about AA, okay? If we're really going to dive into it, I I mean, I have a topic that I want to talk about, like the anti-AA sober girl, but um, one thing that I fucking hated about AA, and this is one of the reasons why it didn't work for me, was like, I felt like, I felt like, okay, so don't come after me. I felt like they were basically saying like, fucking give it to your higher power and your, your addiction will be gone. Like once you be like, yes, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, then I give it to you, Jesus, or I give it to you, whatever. And boom, your, your addiction is gone. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Um, but it's like that, like when, and I think that that's when people just assume that like when you're on this journey and like, you know, you choose to be sober or clean, then like nothing bad ever happens to you ever again. Like, no, <laughs> life still happens. Like life is still hard. Shit still happens to you, you know, but it's it in sobriety. I handle things way better and I actually handle things. Like I know that when I was heavy into drinking and like something bad would happen or like you know, whatever, then I would just like either freak out and handle it wrong or I would like brush it under the rug and like pretend it never happened and then it would come back to haunt me like a year later or two years later, you know, all of a sudden I got like fucking debt collectors on my ass because I was just like, I'm going to deal with that never. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, <laughs> my credit score goes down because I never paid that bill or whatever, you know, but like anything. And so things still fucking happen to you when you're in sobriety. Like if anything, I mean, like, 2021 was the worst fucking year of my life, okay? That was the worst year of my life. But then 2022 was also a very fucking hard year. It was just a lot of healing in that year. But there was so much stuff that happened in 2022 that that could have drove me to drink. Like, fuck. If anything, probably more. Like, 2021 was my year to drink because I was just extraordinarily depressed and, like, very mentally ill, like, ment like mental health side. Like, I was not okay, and that's why I was drinking. But then 2022 was my year that I should have been drinking because it was, like, holy fuck. Like, between, again pregnancy, miscarriage, relationship, custody battle, missing my daughter, pregnancy complications, not seeing my daughter, you know, like things with work, all this kind of stuff. And like all that stuff was still happening to me, even though I was doing all the right moves in sobriety and like becoming this better person and doing therapy and all this sort of stuff. So just remind yourself. And if you are in it or like say you even love someone and someone is going into sobriety and they're like, ah, I need a fucking drink because life sucks. Like, life's always going to suck, dude. Life is always going to suck at some points because that's just what life is. But when you're in sobriety and when you do it, one of the beautiful things about sobriety is that you have a clarity again that you haven't had in however long you've been battling this. For me, basically my entire life. You know, like, what kind of problem-solving skills did I have before the age of, like, 16 when, you know, my addiction got really bad? So, you know, basically, like, let's just say, quote-unquote, my whole life. Um, and what was I? Ah, oh, fuck, I just completely lost my train of thought. My neighbor's outside, and 
distracted me. Um, anyway, yeah, you, that's what I was saying. You have a clarity, um, that you haven't had in a very long time. And so in all this bullshit that continues to happen in your life, you now have a clarity and a sense of self that you're able to address these things properly. Um, and it doesn't like hurt as bad or doesn't like fuck you up as bad. Um, because you're able to tackle these things with a clear mind without your anxiety going insane. Like that's, oh my God, let's touch on anxiety in a second. Um, you know, you're able to, to handle life better when you're sober. And in that is not just because your like body is physically affected by the alcohol. It's your mental state that if you do the work and you do the steps or you do the whatever, um, you're able to just process things like life, your emotions, your triggers, like how you should be feeling in this situation, not just like flying off a handle, you know, you're able to actually process life with all of the, the things that you've done in sobriety much better. So when life kicks you, um, it just doesn't hurt as bad and you're just able to recover a lot faster, which thank God for that. Because yeah, if I had gone through this year, this past year, without sobriety under my belt as solidly as it is, I don't know if I would have made it out of this year as good as I have. Like I said this the other day, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said this the other day, I said, this year has been like, aside from the Quinn thing. Okay. Let's just put that whole thing aside. Aside from the Quinn thing, this outside of that, this year has been the best and most beautiful year of my life. And it's not because this year has been without bumps in the road, but this year is the year that I have finally become like the woman that I was supposed that I'm supposed to be. Like this woman that all my friends saw in me and I remember my dad used to say like when I was growing up like all like I'm finally have become and am becoming the person that I am. And like my life is finally really making sense and like coming together. And so aside from the Quinn thing that is unhandled and like the worst fucking thing ever, my, this was been the best year of my life. And now I know that when the Quinn thing is sorted out, my life is just going to be like exponentially more beautiful than it's ever been in my entire life. Um, and that wouldn't be possible without sobriety. And so when I clocked that year yesterday, I, I was, I, I probably, besides bringing my kids into the world, I've never been more proud of myself. That was amazing. Like I've tried to hit that so many times. I've tried to hit 30 days so many times. I've tried to hit, you know, six months. I've tried all this and I just clocked a year and God, is it ever beautiful? Um, so you know, again, if you're new to this journey or if you're on this journey and you're struggling or like if you know or love someone that's on this journey, support them. Um, it's not, they're not always, you're not always going to get it on the first try. There's, you know, there's, it's not linear. It's not easy. It's not as easy as just waking up one day and being like, I'm never going to drink again. Like, it's not that easy. I wish it was. And if it was, I would have been sober a long time ago. Um, but just support yourself, support the person that you love. Um, because yeah, it's hard. 
It is really, really hard. And it takes, everybody's different. It takes a lot of, a lot of different things, you know, like this time around my partner that I was with, like that never pushed me, never made me feel like less than because I was struggling or because I was on this journey, you know, never like really pointed out the fact that like I'm sober, you know, like, cause I always felt awkward. Like, especially in the beginning, like if you'd go hang out with someone, be like, Oh, why aren't you drinking? Oh, she's sober. Like we just, he just wouldn't drink too. So it just looked normal or something, you know? And then of course, after I got pregnant, it was very easy to just be like, I don't drink cause I'm pregnant. But, um, you know, there, it, just be supportive and, and mind your way the whole time. Um, don't make a big deal out of it, you know, especially in the beginning. It's just, you just got to focus on it and, um, don't make this huge deal about it in your brain or to other people or when you're out and about, it is what it is. Um, and I think one of the things that I, I was thinking about it when I was thinking about making this podcast and like, especially in early sobriety, like what was something that I did to keep me on track. And I got thinking about it and I'm like in early sobriety, like the first few months, (laughs) I like started quote unquote, like three different businesses, quote unquote, like, you know, and it, it goes back to like that saying about the idle hands, like idle hands. I don't remember the exact quote, but idle hands are fucking dangerous. Okay. If you are in early recovery, Idle hands are fucking dangerous. Like, you need to remain busy. Whether that's a new hobby, whether that's a new business, whether you're going to the gym or you're, like, picking up fucking running. I don't give a shit. You, whether you pick up more shifts at work, something, you need to stay busy. Because the second that your brain can, like, just chill and, like, be thinking about something that it needs to occupy itself, it's going to jump to the thing that you're trying to avoid. Like how many times did I drink out of boredom or drink out of like habit? Wasn't even because I was sad or like depressed or anything. It was just like, okay, this is what I do right now. There's nothing else to do. So I'm going to drink. And so stay busy. Like that is so important. And you know, like in the beginning, you know, I started my dog food company, which if I hadn't gotten pregnant, I'm pretty sure that thing would have kicked off because I was so passionate about it. I was starting a dog treat company where I was like dehydrating like whole meats. Um, but that smell in early pregnancy, I was forced to give it up. I couldn't do it. I was like going to puke every time I was trying to make a dog treat. Um, you know, and then I was going to start my furnish, furnish, fur, furniture refurnishing refinishing business where, you know, I was taking like free or very cheap, like crappy pieces of furniture and flipping them, like painting them and refurbishing them and flipping them. And it was something I really enjoyed. Um, but then again, like just tired in pregnancy, like I didn't have the like gas to keep going. Um, you know, and that kind of dwindled out. And then what was another thing? I don't even remember. Like there was like a couple different things and I'd start them, you know, and I'd be so pumped about them. And I'd be like, this is what I'm going to do. I would like tell my partner, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make so much money. And he was just like, okay, like do it, you know, go ahead and do it. You know, I'm pretty sure he knew it was going nowhere. Um, but he was like, you do what you got to do, babe. Like just go ahead and do it. Never tried to stop me. Never made me feel like super stupid about what I was doing. Um, and I think partially that's just his personality. He's like, pretty, doesn't really care about much. Um, but at the same time, I think he saw that 
I, I just needed to be busy and that's just part of me. And like, you know, I told him that I was like, when I knew I was getting sober and that I was like, cause he met me when I was not sober. Um, and he, I was like, just warning you, like when I get sober, I get really like type A. Um, and I am very, very busy and that's just, that's who I am though. Like that's just not, that's not just me when I get sober. Like that's who I truly am. And so I was just warning him and I think he just kind of knew that when I was picking up all these different businesses, let's call them actual hobbies that never went anywhere. Um, but so, you know, stay freaking busy because again, like that's where the danger kicks in, um, is if you have too much time on your hands. Um, one second, my baby is crying and I don't know if I'm going to have to go. Okay. Um, Chris has heard it. So anyway, so yeah, you have to stay busy, um, because or else you will get bored and then your mind will be stagnant and then you will jump to your, your addiction. Um, luckily that for me, um, I found my thing that I like and I now, you know, I just do my spray tans and I started working like at the salon real job and that was freaking busy enough. And then I started online coaching again and I'm good now. Like I don't like, I feel like that, that like you need to stay busy phase. Um, and again, everybody's different, but that like you really need to stay busy phase is short. Like it's like probably very important between the first like 90 to like 120 days. Like you gotta stay busy. Um, and I feel like that's where it kind of died down for me. And maybe the pregnancy had something to do with it where I just got fucking exhausted and I couldn't like physically <laughs> do anything. Um, but I think that that one's pretty short lived and then you kind of settle into your sobriety and, or at least like a pattern of it. And that like need to be busy all the time kind of dwindles. Um, Again, everybody's different, but that's how it was for me. And then, but yeah, super, super important. And so if you're going through it and you find that you're like jumping from hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby, like don't bash yourself for it. Okay. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. Like things are just, when you are in early sobriety, you are literally like rewriting your brain, like your brain for however long that you've been struggling in this. And again, you don't have to hit fucking rock bottom, but you just, your brain develops habits very, very quickly, whether it's good or bad habits. And so, you know, you've built this habit of drinking or whatever, and whether it's been a crazy problem or it's just like something you just want to stop, like it's like rewriting your entire brain. And so there's a lot of weird shit that happens, you know, like besides the physicalness, you're either going to gain weight or like lose a lot of weight. You're going to sweat like a fucking pig or you're going to be like super cold all the time. Or like, you know, maybe your hair will go through changes. Your skin will go through changes. Your like personality will go through changes. Um, and also you're probably going to pick up a lot of different hobbies, um, in the beginning or just do, you know, maybe it's writing or anything. Um, don't bash yourself for it. And if you love someone who's doing it, don't bash them for it. Okay. Like just be like what my partner did and just be like, cool, babe, like go, go and do it. Um, because that's just what we got to do. It's just what we got to do. Um, and when you get to the other side, it's great. So that's like definitely something I did in early sobriety that, um, that was very, very important to my recovery. And then again, I did the smart system. Look it up. If AA is not your thing, give it a go. Um, that was the one that worked for me. 
like I said, it doesn't it doesn't matter how you do it. If you do it, that's cool. Um, and then I think another really important monumental part in my sobriety was the therapy. Um, and I mean, when I'd gone sober before I did, I was in therapy like during that, like whatever it was, six or eight months that I was, um, sober with Quinn, I did do therapy at that point too, but I didn't do it the way that I did it now. And I didn't do it with like the, the environment that I had around me when I was in therapy before, like I was like forced into the therapy. You know, like the person that I was with at that point, like my daughter's father, like made me feel like shit if I didn't go to therapy or if I didn't go to the AA meetings. Like it was like I was a terrible fucking human if I didn't go and do it. And I was like going to definitely fail. And I was just as fuck up if I didn't go. Whereas like this time around, like I put myself in therapy. No one fucking told me I had to go really like and didn't no one told me I had to go to the to the extent that I went like I went every week for almost a year. Like, well, I went every week. Let's clarify that. I went every week for like 10 and a half months. And then my therapist was like, let's do every, um, two weeks because I don't think you need every week anymore. But I was in therapy for a full fucking year. Okay. Um, you know, nobody told me I had to do it to that extent. I put myself in it. And I think that this really boils down to is that saying that you say, like, you can never force someone to get sober. Like you, you could, tell someone like someone could tell me that I would never fucking see my kid again. And if I wasn't at the point where I'm ready to get sober, it wouldn't work. Like you can't threaten someone with like even fucking the thing that is the most valuable thing in the world. You can threaten someone with any of that. And if they're not ready themselves, they will not get sober. Like it's plain and fucking simple. And that's something that I, you know, was trying people tried to push me into it all the time. Like I was threatened all the time and you know, I'd try it and then I'd fail. I'd, I'd hit 30 days and then I'd fail. I'd hit 60 days. I'd fail. I'd hit six months. I'd fail because I was not fucking ready for it. Same thing with therapy. You can't fucking push someone into therapy or else they're not going to connect with the therapist. They're not going to do the work. They're not going to be ready to like absorb the therapy. And so when I was like pressured into the therapy, of course it didn't work. I didn't want to be there. I didn't, and like, I didn't, I didn't want to do the work. I didn't believe what the therapist was saying. I didn't want to open up about myself, nothing. But with this time around, when I was like, I need fucking therapy if I'm going to make this work. And I put myself in the damn therapy. Well, guess what? Then the therapy worked. And all of a sudden I was able to open up to my therapist and I was able to do the work and like, and like do the, the things like, God, that woman knows more about me than like I know about myself like that, you know, like, and that's all because I was ready for it. And I was ready for sobriety this time around. Like I finally hit that point. And again, it doesn't always need to be that like movie, like rock bottom where you wake up at the fucking bottom of a gutter without your pants on and your pukes all over yourself. You have no idea where you are. You can't find your fucking phone. You know, you have like remnants of Coke on your nose. Like it doesn't need to be this crazy rock bottom. It wasn't like that for this time around, you know, like I just finally, like, was I not in a good point? Yes, absolutely. But it wasn't like that bad. And so then, you know, but I just finally hit a point where I was like, enough's enough. Like, I can't keep doing this for, you know, a multitude of reasons. But I finally hit that point where I was like, it's time to fucking do this because it's now or never. And so I was ready to do it. I was ready to do sobriety. I was ready to do therapy. And that's 
when it all worked and that's when it's all clicked and that's why I was able to clock a year, a year and one day now, um, you know, and that's why I have like no issues going into this holiday season sober, like, you know, holidays were always a big trigger for me, um, everybody's drinking, you know, this and that, but like I don't have any fear um, and it just is what it is. I said this the other day to my partner and I was like, you know, I'm Cassie that like owns Milo that's my dog I was like I'm Cassie that owns Milo and I'm Cassie who doesn't drink like it's just it's just part of who I am now like I don't think about it it doesn't cross my mind when shit goes wrong in my life my first thing is not like oh my god I need a drink like I very 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 rarely think about needing a drink now and if I do it's like two seconds like even actually it's kind of funny this happened last night okay last night the year of my sobriety I, we went, uh, it's also so happens to be my son's father's birthday. So we went over to his family's house and did like a birthday dinner. Um, my son met quote unquote Santa. It's his grandpa. It was the most fucking adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and his, his grandpa dressed up as Santa Claus and I'm not even joking you. My heart felt like it was going to fucking jump out of my body. Um, but anyway, I left early because the baby was fussy and like done with the day. So I was driving home and as I pulled into like my city, okay, I drive on this main drag and I pass liquor stores. I don't even know if I've ever like noticed this liquor store before, but I noticed it. And like for a split second, like a split second, I was like, oh, I need to grab like wine. And then it was like, what? Like it was like just this like habit. Like I don't know if it was the holidays or just noticing it or just like knowing that I was like about to go home and like put my baby down like I have no idea what happened because I don't even like I said I don't even think I've ever even noticed this liquor store there before but I was like oh okay and then I'm like what nope like what like and it wasn't it wasn't like a valid thought like to the point where I was actually like okay now I needed to like talk myself out of not pulling into the liquor store but it was just this like split fucking second where it was almost like the habit of it because I think it had to do with the time of year. Um, you know, the habit of being around this time of year, it like sparked this like thought and then it just disappeared like as quick as it came. Um, you know, and it's like that kind of stuff. It, it, it's not to say that it never happens again. Um, or it's not to say that like, as soon as you become sober for longer than X amount of time, you're just never going to think about, you know, drinking again or your net whatever. But it's how quickly you recover from those thoughts and like how valid those thoughts are, you know? Like it, I I wouldn't even call it a valid thought. Like again, I think I think what constitutes like a valid thought is that you need to like talk yourself out of that thought. And like there was no need to talk myself out. It was just like, oh, oh that was weird. Uh, I keep driving. Um, and like, I don't know. There's just sobriety is such a it's a weird thing um but it's a beautiful thing and I'm very grateful that it finally worked for me um and yeah it's just kind of like I don't know a part of who I am and I mean a lot of that has to do with I think um again you know it sucks what ha like the the um things that have happened since I got sober I guess or even like shortly before then um suck but it needed to happen and 
it is what it is. Um, but you know, like looking back on it now and, and even now with my life, the way that it is and like the things that I still have to battle, um, very, very thankful for like everything that's happened. But again, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that like, I just completely fucking removed myself from anyone and anything that would have like hindered my sobriety. Like I literally have like no friends. I have like one friend, maybe like, like legit friend, like my best friend, Carmen, she, that's it. That's like all I really got. And then I've got like people that I talk to, but like friends, like I don't have any fucking friends, but like at this point in my life, I'm pretty okay with that because like, I don't know. I don't really feel like I need friends at the moment. I'm very busy. Um, I don't even have times to hang out with people. So like, even if I had friends, we probably wouldn't be friends for long because I wouldn't be able to hang out with you <laughs> or talk to you really because I'm always busy. So it's cool. Um, but you know, I, I don't live in the same city where I like everything went to south, like everything went to shit. Um, I mean, I'm moving back too close to that city, but I won't move back to the exact city. Um, you know, I remove myself from everybody and anything. And that has a lot to do with it. And that's honestly like when they, that's one good thing that I got out of AA was them saying like people, places, things, you need to change it all. And that's what I did kind of unintentionally in some degree, but you know, you gotta like protect that sobriety. You have to protect it to any cost. Like that sobriety needs to come like almost before anything. The only thing, the only fucking thing in my life that comes before my sobriety is my kids. That is the only thing in my life that right now come and will ever become before my sobriety. Even if I'm fucking become super happy in my relationship or like meet fucking the man of my dreams or fucking have all the money in the world or have a rocking business or like anything. The only fucking thing in my life that comes before my sobriety is my kids. And like your sobriety needs to be number one because you got to protect that shit because especially like the first little bit and it's not to say maybe you'll always, maybe it'll always be, it's just for me, the first little bit, like that's where shit can go south quick. So if you're not protecting it and protecting it by like creating boundaries or like removing yourself from people, places, things, or like doing the work, however you need to do it, if you're not protecting it, like you're, you're probably going to fail or you have a very high chance of failing. And nobody wants to fail in it, but I mean, it's part of it. Like I said, my story involves relapse. Some people's do, some people's don't. Mine does. And it is what it is. It's just part of the story. Um, yeah, well, my baby sounds like he needs me. So I think that that's cue to end this podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, and if, again, if you are on this journey, just don't give up, do the fucking work. Um, cause that's how you're going to do it. There's no, uh, there's no cheating sobriety. You either do it or you don't. And I found that out. Um, you know, you can do it. If you love someone who's thinking about it or battling it or anything, just be supportive. Don't push them. Don't pressure them. Don't make them feel stupid, um, for not doing it or it failing, or don't make them feel stupid for anything that they're doing in sobriety. Just be supportive. Um, and ask that person how you need to show up because, you know, some people need their hands held. Other people like me want you to don't fucking touch my hand. You know, like I got this. And so ask that person how they need you to show up for them. Um, and just show up for them, support them. 
and uh, don't be a dick, you know, don't wave it in front of their face. It's not to say that you need to be sober too, but don't be coming home drunk all the time or having alcohol in the house all the time or fucking partying, like, don't be an asshole. Um, you know, if they ask you to come to a meeting with them, go to a fucking meeting, okay? Just be supportive. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. So here's to my fucking one year, because that's awesome. And uh, I'll do a podcast in another year on my two year, and it'll be great. So thank you so much. Don't forget, move your body, drink your water, do your positive affirmations, and we will see you again next week. I have to go feed my baby. Bye-bye. <laughs>